Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. My name's Lisa. I'm the pastor of our Podsmead location. We're all here today. And uh, we're excited to be together. And uh, I'm just going to read from Luke 23 and 32 to set us up here. And you can read along with me if you have your Bibles. It says this, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. Who's him? We're talking about Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He told him off and said, Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today we're going to tell a story of two criminals and me and you. I love Easter. Anybody else love Easter time? We love Easter. We love Easter in Podsmead. We had an amazing uh, fun day last weekend. We had 185 people come along, even though it was raining, which was kind of cool. And numbers don't matter apart from the fact that it's an opportunity to get those kind of numbers in heaven, right? So that's why we count things. That's why it's important. And it was really exciting. But I love Easter. I love the chocolate. Any kids in the room love the chocolate? Give us a wave. Yeah. I see you. Anybody at home like I'm eating a sneaky Easter egg right now? I know how it goes. I absolutely love Easter, but I love it the most because it gives me an opportunity to talk about the one thing that changed my life forever, and that is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the cross, and that's why we are gathering here today. That is why we're celebrating today. It's the cross of Jesus. You see, the cross is way more significant than a two-dimensional object on a map that signifies there's a church there. It's way more significant than the necklace around your neck. It's way more 
more significant than your hot cross buns. It's way more significant than the cross that marks a graveside and the, the end of someone. The cross is so much more than that. You see, at the cross, we see God's sovereignty reigning with absolute control over humanity's greatest sin. We see God's purpose making known the mystery of his will prepared before time. We see God's plan to unite all things on heaven and earth in him. We see God's judgment requiring recompense for guilt. We see God's holiness demanding the perfect sacrifice. We see God's power crushing the Son of God according to the purpose of his will. We see God's wrath punishing the wretchedness of sin. We see God's sorrow wailing as only a forsaken son can. We see God's mystery, the Son of God separated from the Father, committing his spirit to God. We see God's compassion pleading to the Father to forgive the ignorant. We see God's gift, his one and only Son bruised and broken on our behalf. We see God's mercy making unrighteous sinners righteous. We see God's love, Christ dying for sinners. We see God's rescue operation delivering us from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. We see God's proposal pledging himself to the bride forever. We see God's revelation, the word of God speaking his last so that he might speak on behalf of many. We see God's victory disarming his enemies, putting them to shame and triumphing over them. We see God's glory, the name of the Father being magnified for the sake of all peoples. You see, the cross doesn't mark the end. The cross marks a beautiful new beginning. The cross is not a mark on a map. The cross is way more significant than that. Have you ever uh, experienced something with a group of people and realized that every single person is experiencing it from a different perspective? Like, there's nothing like siblings to help you remember that your opinion is not the only opinion. Have you ever been through a situation and then when you're sat around the dinner table re remembering all these things that you've been through and your stories start to come up and you remember them from totally different perspectives? Yeah. My siblings will attest to this and I know that this is hard for you to believe but I have a bit of an ego problem. I am the eldest child in the family and I think the world still revolves just around me. And that means that I will paint myself as the um, absolute hero in any story, right? Any other eldest children in the room here? It is my ability. Yes, that figures. Uh, it, it is an amazing ability to be able to paint yourself as the hero in every single story. And then you've got my sister Amy, who did a great job leading us in worship this morning. Good job, Ames. Um, Amy has this amazing ability um, to not have any clue where she is at any time. Like, I think it was my niece, my four-year-old niece at the time was like, Mummy, you're going the wrong way. And she's like, you're four, it's this way. And she's like, no, 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 Mummy, you're wrong. And she was absolutely right, she was wrong. She has no ability to know where she was at any point at all. And then there's my youngest sister, Holly, who is the baby in the family. Any babies in the family? You get away with absolute murder. You are usually... 
you are usually the most intelligent, you are usually like the third time lucky, uh, you are usually the, the most talented person um, and you are the most loved by your parents and I get that and I'm okay with that, that's just the way it is but it does mean that all three of us will imagine the stories that we've lived through from a totally different perspective. I will be the hero, Amy will be like that happened in France, I was like Ames that was in our house uh, and then Holly would be like um was I even there? Because she's like blissfully unaware. Isn't it amazing our ability to see um, circumstances and see uh, from a totally different perspective to the other people? And you know, at, at the cross and in these verses that we read from today, we get a glimpse into the experience of the onlookers of what was happening. The different people witnessing this from a different perspective. You see, you had Jesus' mother and, and friends weeping at the cross. You have the Romans mocking what is happening on the cross. We have um, his friends, Jesus' friends, living in fear, thinking, I, I want to be here. I want to be with him in his last moment. I don't think I can because I'm afraid. And you've got the Jewish leaders who are uh, relieved that finally this, this person that's messing all our systems up is going to be messing them up no more. <laughs> Little did they know what was about to happen. But none confront me more then the two people that are witnessing this, either side of Jesus, the two thieves crucified either side of Jesus. You see, one, he hurled insults, and the other cried out with revelation. I'm like, how can you be in the same circumstance? Jesus in the middle, one hurling insults, and one crying out with revelation and rebuking the other one. Like, how can you be in this situation and see it from totally different point of view? Can you, can you picture it with me for a moment? The first thief, like hanging on the cross, having to pull himself up to be able to speak on the nails that are holding him there. And he, he wants to enough to pull himself up in this moment and go, Jesus, why won't you save me? Why won't you save us if you're really the Messiah? And he hurls this insult at Jesus. Can you even picture that scene in this moment? Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. He was hurling insults at somebody who didn't even deserve to be there in that moment. When do you hurl insults? I know when I hurl insults, it's usually, it's usually when I don't get what's happening. Like, I think I know what's happening, but really, I don't get what's happening. When I'm confronted and when I'm uncomfortable, it's like a defence mechanism. I'll, I'll, I'll say something to, to give me some space between the thing that's making me feel uncomfortable or not. When we're in pain, we tend to hurl insults. When we feel like it's not fair, you see, in this moment, all the, the thief could see was himself and his situation, and because of that, he missed God. There's nothing like the unfairness of our circumstance to cause us to scoff at the relevance of the cross. Anybody else guilty of that? I am. When my circumstances are messed up, when I'm in pain and I don't understand it and I don't get what's going on in my world and I might turn on the news and look at it and think, what is that about? When I don't get it, when it seems like it's unfair, 
I start to go, oh, what did the cross mean? Jesus, can't you save me? Can't you save us from what I'm experiencing right now? Aren't you supposed to be God? Can't you see the pain I'm in? Aren't you seeing what's happening right now? But I've got hope for you today. Because the cross isn't fair, but it was final. The cross wasn't fair, but it was final. You see, the cross was more than the answer for your immediate needs. It was more than a quick fix for the pain of your circumstances. It's more than a relief for your current discomfort. The cross was the freedom from the real underpinning problem that there is sin. And it separates us from God. It's the very centre of all that is wrong and painful and disappointing. And in this moment on the cross, it ended the curse of sin. It stopped short the curse of sin. You see, Jesus wasn't messing about. Jesus wasn't messing about when he announced kind of who he was in the synagogue and he opens the scroll and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and the release from darkness from all the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment and praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for his splendour. You see, Jesus was announcing that the cross was going to be final, that it was for freedom, that Christ Jesus has set us free. He was proclaiming something then and the thief had missed what was truly happening. Can you imagine as he's, he's cursing Jesus next to him and he's mad with Jesus next to him and he's experiencing this and then the thief on the other side who was experiencing the same pain, who was experiencing the same discomfort, looks over and leans and pulls himself up to be able to speak back and he says, hey, Don't you fear God? Don't you see what's happening here? Don't you see who this man is? We deserve to be here. We made the choice that we made. We made the decision to spend ourselves in this way. We made the decision to become a thief. He has done nothing wrong, yet he stands silently between us right now saying, I'll take on the sin of the world. I'll take on the weight of the world. I'll take on the punishment that you couldn't possibly pay. He saw something in Jesus in that moment where Jesus did not deserve to be there. And yet he's holding on there going, he doesn't deserve this. And we do. And in that moment, Jesus, can you imagine Jesus turning his head in all the pain and agony that he's in and going, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Because he understood that what I'm experiencing right now, the separation I'm feeling right now, the pain I'm in right now, means that you get to have life. Life in all its fullness. He's like, he knew what he was about. Jesus knew what he was about. You see, the first thief missed what was truly happening. The second thief, he spotted it. How crazy is that, that he's experiencing all the same stuff 
And yet in a moment, instead of being confronted by the discomfort of his circumstance, instead of being confronted by the pain that he's experiencing, he sees that Jesus has paid it all. Jesus was paying it all. He had a revelation of who he was in light of who Jesus is. How crazy is that? I'll say it again. The, the thief had a revelation of who he was in light of who Jesus is. How did he, how did he spot it? I wouldn't have. I'd have been like, yeah, Jesus, get me down off this thing. But he spotted something. Do you ever need a perspective shift? Like, there's no thing that will give you a perspective shift more than your child pointing out all the things that are wrong with your body. <laughs> Am I right? Anybody else with me in here today? It's like, Daddy, you've got a lot of grey hairs at the moment. This morning, though, my hairdryer gave me a perspective shift, okay? My hairdryer did, because as I was drying my hair, I brought the hairdryer down across my body like this, and I noticed the skin under my chin began to reverberate. That's new. <laughs> Didn't do that a couple of months ago. That's new. New low, new low. <laughs> But do you ever need a perspective shift? And, uh, you know, Jesus in Matthew 18 gives uh, the disciples a perspective shift. You see, Peter, he, he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, like, how many times should I forgive somebody? Like seven? I mean, pick a number out of thin air, Peter. Come on now. But Jesus, he uses this brilliant story to give a perspective shift to Peter and I think that it might help us have a perspective shift on ourselves today in light of the cross it says this in Matthew 18 and verse 23 therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. That voice was just for me. I'm sure Jesus didn't do it. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. How do you pay a debt when you're in prison? That's impossible. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You know, this story for me really puts into perspective what 
Jesus was later going to do on the cross. You see, there was a debt that I owed that I couldn't pay back. You know, the equivalent to 10 bags of gold these days would be 183,576,880 pounds and 74 pence. That's a pretty impossible debt to pay back. It's a pretty overwhelming debt to pay back. In fact, all that he owned wouldn't have been able to pay back all the things, all that he owed the master. And yet, the master goes, I'm not going to make you pay it back. I'm not going to put you on a payment plan. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take what you do have and make you bankrupt. I'm going to write off the debt. Jesus is painting a picture of what he was about to do on the cross. See, there's no way I could pay the price for my sin. There is no way I could pay the price for my shame. There is no way that I could pay it. I've been imprisoned by my own mistakes. I've been imprisoned by sin in this world. I've been imprisoned by my shame. I've been imprisoned by all these things. There's no way I could be able to pay it back. And yet Jesus, in his kindness, while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for me. He paid the debt that I couldn't pay on my own. When we understand that, when we understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you, me, the two thieves on the cross, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin. The thing that I owed, a price I could never afford to pay on my own, is death and yet the gift of God is life what's a gift I don't pay for a gift I don't even ask for a gift when it's really a gift it's just given the gift of God is life when I put into perspective that I deserved to be there When I put into perspective that the debt I owed was a a price I couldn't possibly pay on my own. When I put into perspective that I didn't have 183,565,000, I don't have what it takes to be able to pay off the debt that I owed, that I was born into sin and I am a sinner, yet Christ Jesus died for me. He took my sin, he took my shame and he gave me freedom instead. When I begin to understand that, it changes everything. It changes the way that I live. I no longer live for right here, right now. My circumstances, Jesus, can you see my circumstances? I'm in pain here. No, 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 I don't live for right here, right now. I live for eternity with Him. That I get to be in eternity with Him and eternity starts right here, right now. It changes the way that I treat others because I'm a thief. I'm a mess up. I'm a mess too. And that means I'm going to forgive you just like Jesus forgave me. You see, it changes the way that I give because he's given me everything I could possibly need anyway. Uh, You can have the shirt off my back if you want. You can have whatever you want because
because Jesus has already given me everything. And he's, if he's given me everything, I can give you whatever you need. It changes the way that I love because he loved me so much that while I was a big mistake, he chose to die for me. And when I carried on spitting in his face, when I carried on going, you're irrelevant to me, get away from me. He died for me. That's a love. When, he, when you see that Jesus loved like that, I can love people that are uncomfortable to love. I can love people that are a bit spiky. I can, I can love people like that. I can serve because Jesus served the whole of creation in his death and resurrection. And it changes the way that I worship because I'm like, my gosh, God, you have freed me. You have given me a freedom that I can't begin to understand that I can't begin to sum up. I couldn't possibly put a number on it and I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth because you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy God. And I dare to believe the impossible because the impossible has already happened. He did the impossible thing. You see, the second thief knew the secret. He allowed the cross to convict him, which meant death couldn't condemn him. How do you see the cross today? Does it confront you? Because it sure confronts me. When I'm going through it and I'm just like, oh, this doesn't make sense, Jesus. Can't you see what's happening? Allow what Jesus did for me right here to convict me so that death couldn't condemn me. You see, it was for freedom that Christ Jesus set you and me for free. But it's impossible to be free from something if you didn't accept that you were bound to it in the first place. It's really tough, isn't it? And you know those days when you're, you're sat and you're, going, you, you're turning up to church, you're coming into the house of God because it's your routine, but you're really not feeling it on the inside. We've got to be good church at allowing the cross to convict us so that death can't condemn us. Because it was for freedom that Christ Jesus set you free. It's time to stop ignoring the reality of the cross. The cross confronts me. And perhaps being confronted is actually a good thing. It's not in our Britishness to want to be confronted. It's why communication breaks down in our families, because we don't like to confront things that matter. But perhaps being confronted is a good thing. He didn't choose the cross to make it hard for you to accept. He chose the cross to make it impossible for you to ignore. To ignore who he is, that he is holy, that he is sovereign, that he is kind, that he is love, that he is humble, that he is merciful, that he is just and he is good and he is full of grace towards you. So today, don't choose the cross because it will conveniently sort out the mess around your life. 
Don't choose the cross because it will put a bandage on something that right now is uncomfortable. Don't choose the cross because you feel like it's the right thing to do. No, no, choose the cross because at the cross, Jesus paid everything for you so that you can live in freedom and start eternity today that you can rejoice with those who rejoice you can be today in excitement and joy and full and excited because Jesus has paid the price for me because it didn't just stop at the cross but on the third day spoiler alert he rose again to life and he brought your life with his So today, we're going to take communion in a minute and Ed's going to come and tell us about how we're going to do that. But I really, I really hope that in this moment, you're allowing the cross to go, whoa, Jesus, you did all that for me. You did all of that for me. And perhaps you're hearing this for the first time today. And I want to tell you that, yeah, you're a sinner. You messed up in a way that you could never repay. But I have good news because Jesus loves you and he died for you and he's forgiven you. And if you choose him today, if you make him Lord of your life, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You get a fresh start. You get a new beginning. You get a chance to start exploring this freedom that I've been speaking about. And he gives you his Holy Spirit, the power to live this life and continue to be free. And if you're in the room today and you're going, oh, I want this, then all I need you to do right now is just to, as everybody closes their eyes, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you want Jesus today because he has freedom for you. He has a fresh start for you. And at home, if you're you're listening to this and you're saying, I want Jesus, why don't you just put it in the chat? Just say, I want Jesus. And we're gonna pray. Jesus, I'm sorry that I've messed up. Thank you that you have forgiven me. Thank you that on the cross you took all of this from me so that I can be free, that I can live right now for you and I get to live for eternity with you. Come and forgive me. Come and make me brand new. Come and give me your power through the Holy Spirit to live this free life. I want you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. And if you're in the room today and you've not heard this message for the first time, but something within you is stirring, saying, yeah, God, I want to walk into every day remembering what you did on the cross for me. I want to invite you just to stand where you are right now. That Jesus... I'm standing before you today going, if the cross meant that, I can worship you with everything. If the cross meant that, I can give you everything. If the cross meant that, I can serve uncomfortable people. If the cross meant that, I can love 
people who are unlovable. If the cross meant that, then I can dare for the impossible because you've already done it all for me. If that's you today, and really that should be all of us, I want to invite you to stand to your feet in this moment as a response to him saying, Jesus, I want to say thank you for the cross. I want to thank you for the cross. Start to thank him in your own words right now. I thank you for the cross, Jesus. Come on, church, lift up your voices. Let let words of thankfulness rise from within you, of his goodness and his kindness. Jesus, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for what your cross meant for us. We're thankful that we get to live in freedom today, that we get to live in grace today, that we don't get have to live in our own strength, but we get to live according to your purposes for us and empowered by your spirit, God. We love you, Lord Jesus.